episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 75. Today is Thursday, October 26th. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, joined by Camilla Ortiz. Hey, Camilla. Hello, Jeff and Mark. And, of course, Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jeff. Well, we had a exciting last couple of days. A little, well, a pretty impressive upper-level low-pressure system came sweeping oh, yeah. through the northwest, brought some rain, brought some thunderstorms, brought a good dose of mountain snow, which we're going to show you some views and uh, some snow totals in a little while. Um, we're actually now heading into an extended dry spell and really good timing uh, considering what's coming up. Uh, Halloween. Hint, hint, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. um, but probably going to see our coldest nights uh, so far this season by a long shot. And, uh, you know, we haven't been able to talk to Camilla since she finished the Iron Man. So we're going to reserve a little time toward the end of the podcast to hear about that. Um, well, we've some so... weather into that too. Don't worry. Oh, looking forward <laughs> to that. I know you were, you were practicing in the sauna quite a bit before <laughs> yeah. you left yeah. for that muggy, muggy air. So, all right, Mark is pulling up some shots that um, I grabbed from this morning. So this is, this was actually uh, Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon at Timberline Lodge. Uh, right, this was nice. after the bulk of the snow had already fallen. So this was when there was a maybe about eight to 10 inches of snow on the ground. Uh, this was from this morning. So this was kind of looking down through ski bowl. Uh, I love the fact that all the, the trees were kind of snow flocked and, you know, uh, just a totally different view than earlier Beautiful. this week. You know, um, yesterday, Camilla was saying we saw somebody in the evening, Jeff, up on top. Oh, yeah, you did? Like the top of the yeah, it looked like the person yeah. had skis on. Could have been an employee. I don't know. But um, she goes, oh, is he going to ski down there? And if you look closely, so there's a, a, probably a little under a foot there. If you look closely, yeah, the snow looks pretty. But there's a lot of very sharp rocks that are maybe a foot tall sticking out yeah. as well. So yeah. <laughs> I, she uh, goes, do you wait. think that guy's going to go over the edge? And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And Mark you, goes, I hope not. <laughs> can, you leave that, yeah. can you leave that shot up really quick? I sure can. Um, so last February – was the first time I've ever stood up at the top of Ski Bowl. Um, it was actually like the second time in my life that I've skied. It was so much fun. But looking down that edge, mm -hmm. it is terrifying. <laughs> you just yeah. point downhill. Then your skis just go and Wait, you follow. Mark, have you ever done that? It's a black diamond. Have you ever done that? Yeah, black the, have yeah. you done the pizzazz run? You have? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh man. You well, just take it slow. You can do almost anything. If it's not icy, if it's soft, you can do almost anything. You just go slow. And I mean, if it's really that steep for a few moments for a short section, oh, you just slide on your butt a little ways. Yeah, not on a hard ice. Ice a would be scary. Video the heebie -jeebies. Of me sliding backwards down some Ooh. moguls. I think you would change your mind on that, Mark. Was it hard snow, like all icy, though? No, but it was moguls. I don't know well, how to ski over moguls. We just kind of go one at a time and then you turn one more. I like those. Okay. Cat runs or whatever they're called. Cat tracks. They're called cat, cat tracks. tracks. Yeah. Oh. yeah, cat tracks. Yeah. Where you go cruising. like one mile per hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While the while the snowboarders are stuck because they yes. stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that backside of ski bowl, especially that gets pretty flat over there. So you got to keep moving. Yeah. Son, sometimes you know if you're skiing with a skier and you're a snowboarder, it's like give me a give me a pole. Yeah. I've done that with my son before. Like, Dad, give me a pole. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, these totals were more or less an estimation this morning because I was kind of basing it off of those uh, snowtel sensors and didn't have any right. real updates this morning from the ski resorts. But I did see 
that one meteorologist in town posted that Timberline got 17 inches or 18 inches, somewhere around there. So about a foot, foot and a half. <laughs> okay. Um, that and, could be, uh, I suppose. Yeah. Meadows got about a foot or so. And, you know, depending on your elevation at Ski Bowl, about six to 12 inches. I mean, this was pretty healthy dose of snow. And, um, you know, we were looking at, we had some of the stats uh, from government camp, October snow. And it, this was the snowiest October so far since 2017. Um, but not yeah. the snowiest ever. You know, uh, one thing about, one thing that really annoys me. Okay. You know, you guys know, you work with me. There are many things that annoy me, but oh, yeah. uh, one thing that's always annoyed me is we do not have real time official snow measurements yes. at government camp. The one, the one town on Mount hood. All right. And where the observations are taken later in time, like these numbers, how did we get these numbers? These are from the past, right? Um, what you're seeing here, folks, if you're if you're listening like I do and you're not watching, these are the five snowiest Octobers uh, from 34 inches in 1984 to 24 inches in 1971. And um, and and yes, snow is measured at the ODOT, uh, the ODOT maintenance station right at the summit there at 4000 feet, right by Timberline Road, kind of across the way. You always see the plows going in and out of there. And so, yes, snow measurements are taken, but they're they're not real time in that once a month or maybe once every two or three weeks. They, they either send it in paper. Or I assume nowadays they actually type it in somewhere. And so that's just how cooperative observations work, not the real time sensor observations. So like we don't we won't know exactly how much fell in October at government camp, typically until about the first week or so of November. And that's just how it works with cooperative stations. There are a lot more of those than the the live, you know, um, sensors that, you know, the Portland Airport or or um, bend, for example. There have been many a morning where I'm trying to get some kind of update on how much snow accumulated overnight. And I do have to click on those trip check little ODOT uh, stations to see what the snow measurement is on the side of the road or whatever. And Yeah, that yeah, works. Some, but sometimes they don't or it, or it seems fishy like they, they missed a bunch oh, yeah. or, you know, I mean, it's somebody just going out and checking the pole or something out there, you know, and plow operator and they're busy. So I don't and, begrudge and not them. To mention, that, but, uh, yeah. Those those snowtel um, measurements, those sensors, they do not perform well early in the season. Oh, I yeah, was and, observing that Jeff that yeah. first night when we were when the snow actually started coming down. It was like two hundred seventy four zero, like three. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what is going on? You kind right. of have to like interpolate. You have to kind of. All right, I think it's you have to kind of look at the the precipitation measurement and gauge how much is you yeah. know actually accumulating and yeah, mark. Mark you know, probably has a better idea of how to. Yeah, to if you go it. up and visit those stations, there's one the uh, the Mount Hood test site is really easy to visit in the warm season because you can ride a bike or walk right by it. It's out out there in the woods if you know where it is. But um, basically, yeah, it's it's you need a it, it's like 20 feet up. There's a sound, an acoustic like sounder of some sort that that sends sound down to the ground, and you know it knows by the, the surface. You know, eventually it becomes a hard snow surface, right, or soft snow surface, and knows how how high up the snow is getting. Mm. The, the, and so the first few, you know, the first 12, 18 inches of the season, there's little pieces of brush, you know, poking up through the snow and that messes it up. So that's why, uh, that's why early on they're bad, but give it, you know, once you get two feet, then you're in good shape. Seems yeah. Like. Once we pack yeah. that base down, hopefully we do, but I mean, this, this is going to go away in many cases, uh, unfortunately. Let's go over some more snow stats. Mark's pulling some up. Uh, first snow at government camp. Uh, this is a look at the last seven years, actually, mm -hmm. including this year. Uh, so uh, 2017 to 2023 and it's varied a little bit um as you can see back in 2017 the first snow at government camp uh was october 12th um but it 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 can vary 2018 first snow didn't actually accumulate until november 23rd so right um 
actually look at 2019 <laughs> september 28th so it, yeah. i mean it, it really it, it depends we can get it sometime in the early fall or we can get it late fall getting close to winter time so i would say this is pretty normal wouldn't you think i mean we got a bit of snow five inches is the average for october you know some big october years and lots of zero years in october right so it seems pretty average right yeah. I was reading your Actually, blog, Mark. Oh, go ahead, Camilla. I don't want. Oh no, I was just going to ask: Have we calculated, or is there? I meant to look this up the other day. In average, when the average first snow at Government Camp is, that should be on that graphic, shouldn't it? it should. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we should find that. I'm guessing it's about now. Yeah, late yeah. October. That would. I make think sense. so. That seems about. Sometime right. in October seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Jeff, were you going to talk about that 1991, the big year? Yeah, you, I think you mentioned that big snow, and then it was just a terrible season after that. Yeah, my first year forecasting. So that's 32 years ago. Um, first wow. year forecasting out of college here in Portland. And um, I remember we got really excited. It had been a really warm, dry fall, like last year, where we had the 80s in early October. And then suddenly snow level drops. There was snow down to 2,000 feet. Portland had a day that I remember I was in Portland that day working where the high temperature was 43. It just rained most of the day. And there was a cold east wind blowing out of the gorge. So Ooh. a cool air mass had come down from the north. But 25 inches that October is all in late October, 91. And so, you know, I, it, it pretty excited. And I could swear either Meadows or Timberline actually opened up in October, at least for a while. Oh. Wow. Um, I think. And then that was one of the deadest years. I remember it was 60s and sunshine in February and March. It was, it, and it was an El Nino winter. A mile, I think it was a moderate El Nino winter or maybe mm -hmm. a, a weak El Nino winter. And so it was classic El Nino where it's like something exciting at the beginning. And then, oh. <laughs> Disappointment yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointment. Mark there. is maybe doing a, all the skiers and snowboarders a little bit of a favor, priming them for the possibility of that happening this year. Right. I mean, it, it's not a guarantee, right. but if you've listened into some of our El Nino, uh, you know, leaning podcasts, um, the ones that we kind of like talk about it for 20 minutes or more, uh, it, it's like 80% of the time the snowpack suffers when yeah. we're in an El Nino year. Yeah. And we did a whole post last week. And, you know, we, we talked about it here on the podcast, of course, but um, yep, it happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a different graphic here. Stay with me here, folks. Okay. Yeah, I'll get to the right yeah. one. There we go. By the way, this morning, um, it was pretty chilly. I mean, we weren't we didn't have a lot of widespread 30s, but there was a breeze yeah. out there, and uh, I mean, it's still pretty cool. I just took the dog outside before the podcast started, and it's I mean, it's there's some chill in the air, and I there's think there's a kind bite. Of a, yeah, yeah, there yeah, is. There yeah. Is. Uh, it's the and, it's absolutely my favorite time of the year to run because you can still get away with shorts but like a long sleeve and then you get into a hot shower after and it kind of stings your skin a little bit because your skin's still cold it's just the best i don't know if that's you are weird you're know, really I, I know weird that as i was coming I mean, out of my mouth i was like yeah. this is a weird thing to say we're yeah. weird in different ways i mean <laughs> mark and i we're we're really nerdy we're, we're weird. You're just, yeah you're, you're Weird on a different level, Camilla. Totally. Uh, yeah. The machine is stressed. I love that, that we must can, be it. can blend our weird oh, together. It's all right. We can, we can chat while Mark tries to figure out the graphic situation. Okay. I so, I've got it. Yeah. all right. Cool. I loved that you threw the Greek letter omega on the upper level pattern there. <laughs> It was a nice touch. Oh, man. Yeah. When I said that to Camilla last night, I go, I'm going to do a thing about the omega block. She goes, oh, I was just talking about that in class. Or you, were, you were learning timing. about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, best when it, like the weather is actually lining up with what you're learning in school. I remember that right. too. It was super cool. All right, Mark, yeah. go ahead. And it's kind of subjective. And Omega block just means it, this is what we're, we're looking at folks is like the upper level pattern. All right. Ignore the little Greek letter Omega there. We have a, a large area of high pressure over the Eastern Pacific kind of blocking storms. We've got a cold upper level load that has dropped over us. And by the way, folks, the last day or so, this would have been kind of our snow pattern. If it was um, anywhere between Thanksgiving and February, mm -hmm. we would have been like, oh, we're close to snow. There would have been kind of mixed showers yesterday, most likely. Um, but that cold upper level low is leaving. But you see that. And then you see another upper level low to the west, way out over towards the dateline there. And if and if you kind of imagine the flow, and this is 18,000 feet, it kind of looks like the Greek letter omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So these, when we get these, they're called blocks often. I mean, sometimes the block is only a day or two, but sometimes they last a week or two. I've seen them sometimes where we go on for a week and a half with this sort of setup. And it looks like this general pattern is going to continue the high edge a little closer to us over the weekend. And then I think we can go all the way to next Wednesday. What is that, about five days out? Let me find it. There it is. There's next Wednesday. Oops. Yeah, and the high pressure is still there. It does. It turns into just a area of ridging over us by next Wednesday, higher than normal heights. But um, yeah, so when we have a pattern like this, it's going to be pretty dry. I meant to include some Halloween stats, but I totally forgot. I wonder. Yeah, you know, that's okay. We we do have. Well, I just wonder when, like, the last time we had a because I think it rained on on Halloween last year. I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, don't we normally have a graphic mark where we put like, oh, last year on this holiday we do. here. Do we have one for Halloween? I actually don't know. Well, if I figured I'd one. get to it maybe tomorrow or today. <laughs> okay. Maybe today after the podcast. This yeah. one, yeah. no, but this one works because this shows the frequency, like you know, when we, how often we see rain on a specific date, uh, and uh, it's it's creeping up. So, folks, Mark, it's um, going up. Look at that. Yeah, it just keeps going up and up and the up. Wet season. I mean, we, we have, what, about a 6% chance for measurable rain in Portland around August 1st, any one day, about a 6% chance. That's the driest of the year. And it's been steadily going uphill. It really ramps up in late October. And now we're above a 50% chance any one day. So in any one day, there's a greater 50% chance. And I think it maxes out around Thanksgiving and actually drops slowly as we go into January, February. But um, so the wet season's here. I mean, at any moment, we can get rain. And I think standards go downhill in that. I think most folks are like, yeah, it could be rainy, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. But, yeah, some wet stuff. But dry. Where's my dry graphic? I have a dry. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorry to any of you watching and you're kind of, if this is a strobing effect, we should have put a I disclaimer to, at the yeah, beginning of this podcast. Sorry about that. I think I should be lining these up differently because that is annoying how they go by so quickly because I can't do them in order. So and if you're just okay. listening, you are lost. You are yeah. just, okay. you're yeah, like, okay. what is going on? It's for the best, so maybe. Is, yeah. So we got the Euro Ensemble uh, from this morning, 24-hour QPF, 24-hour rainfall usually, or it could be snow, but in this case, it's all rain over Portland. And look how dry it is all the way till, let me zoom in. I guess we are zoomed in. Oh, no. And we're zoomed in. Uh, all the way until. Well, uh, Thursday, Friday of next week. Yeah, about the next decent chance uh, where you start seeing some members showing some rain, it's around Thursday or so. I mean, so, by next, the following weekend, the first weekend of November, I mean, almost every single ensemble member is wet. The, yeah. um, this is, so this is, this is an ensemble view. So this is looking at 50 different right. ensemble members. I looked at the operational runs. I'm sure you guys have at this point for 12Z. Um, the GFS is bringing some showers back in Wednesday evening. The Euro mm -hmm. is bringing showers back in. Thursday. Thursday. So 
Right. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday seems to be somewhere in there is when the showers are going to return next week. So we have about a week time frame of uh, dry weather, which is mm-hmm. kind of nice. So since we learned in the last week that the GFS can do okay in longer range forecasting. Sure can. Um, yeah, sure can. Um, so here's the G- another way to look at the rainfall. I like this one. So this is called the plume, the total plume from in, in the case of the uh, GFS. I think there's 21 ensemble members. Each little line there is one. We can see the bottom, right? We can, you guys can see the time. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you can. Mm-hmm. The days. Uh, each gray line is one of the 20 or 21 ensemble members. The green is the average of all of those. The yellow is the actual control run, like the one high resolution run. But I mean, the green, the green is a big focus here. Wednesday, at some point later, Wednesday or Thursday, the rain starts adding up. And this has now the GFS ensemble is pretty low res, but I mean, it's got three and a half inches in the following week or so. I looked at the, I had the Euro, but I just wanted to give, I had figured this week I should give the GFS a shout out. So the Euro, I looked at it, the same product, and it looks pretty similar. It's got a higher resolution on the ensembles. Normally I'd use that, but uh, like I said, this one time I should give it a shout out. Show the GFS some love for once. Yeah, just, just for now. I'm sure it'll screw up soon once again, but um. Yeah, but the point is, it looks like we're going to have this dry period, and then we're going to enter a wet period. So pretty clear-cut. All models look like that right now. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Mark, the the previous upper-level pattern you showed us, how that system dropped in from north, and if it was right. you know a wintertime system, um, then we would be dealing with lowland snow. Uh, but these systems coming in mid to late week of next week and beyond look like they're going to take more of a zonal flow pattern, which right. would be out of the west, which very is, mild tends to be more mild and. Um, Gray. Yeah, I mean, Mark brought up the uh, the national blend of models. This is a temperature outlook for Portland, uh, which is showing a stretch of days with highs mid to upper 50s, probably low 60s for a couple of days. Um, and it doesn't always nail it exactly. Overnight lows are going to be trending into the 30s and eventually back into the 40s and maybe the low 50s. So um, we were talking about this yesterday about the 850 millibar extended outlook. So the 850 millibar temperatures, temperatures around 5,000 feet, kind of looking out um, the extended forecast and nothing looks cold. I mean, everything looks like right. it's going to feature snow levels, maybe around 5,000 feet or greater, 6,000 feet or greater. Um, I, oh. I think there's good reason to believe that the snow that we've seen at past level is I would agree. Gonna, yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty likely. Camilla, that's what you're seeing today. You're making the forecast, right? Yes. Um, I actually lost Jeff at the end there. He froze up on me, but uh, we're going to yeah, get him back. You know what? When we yeah, when we record this, Jeff is going to come back again. We're going to hear him. Um, <laughs> I can hear you guys. Um, okay, we hear yeah, you that's, now. That's yep. what it looks like, though. And yeah, definitely. I think it's even more dramatic with those overnight temperatures coming back up into the 40s by the time we get to right. the middle part of next week. Look at that cross section. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. So, look at that east here, wind coming in. Yeah. Here's what we're looking at. So, folks, this is a cross section from the uh, Wharf GFS. It's a UW uh, model based off the GFS. But um, I use it for the cross sections and moisture quite a bit. And so, the right side where it says 2612, that's this morning. You can see you folks. Yeah. Uh, you, not you folks, Camilla and Jeff. You can see the dates, right? 20. Yeah. yeah. 2712 is tomorrow morning. So then it's 2812 is uh, Saturday morning, 2912 is Sunday morning. So we go through Sunday evening uh, at the very left side. So it's this morning to Sunday evening. Mo- uh, the moisture in the atmosphere, the uh, relative humidity is in the color. So you can see how everything just dries out about the same time. The easterly wind starts showing up overhead during the nighttime tonight. 
and it looks like they surfaced during the daytime tomorrow, which makes sense, right? And there you see some easterly. Um, and it's not like a raging east wind, but it looks pretty widespread. I mean, not strong, but a breezy easterly wind the next few afternoons. Um, and that dries us out. Look at how the low level humidity uh, just goes away. I mean, this is going to be a bone dry air mass. You guys have seen those dew points in the 20s and 30s forecast? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're in that time of year now where we're in the inversion season. So, um, Mark, would you say that with that east wind kind of funneling out of the gorge, there's going to be some scenarios where we decouple, where like the metro area. Oh, decoupling. Um, Right. Yeah, where where we enter, we kind of get into that inversion, and then the east wind is really confined to the east side of the metro area, west end of the gorge, and there are yeah. a lot more wind sheltered spots. Two really challenging things this time of the year. I mean, this doesn't really affect anybody's life that much, but for us forecasting, um, we're not. I mean, we're kind of into inversion season, but it's still just before Halloween. We don't have a really cold air mass east side coming through the gorge, so it's like, well, how much is how cold is it really going to be? I mean, I think, I think models are probably okay with those low dew points. So um, yeah, so that's tough. But my guess is since the easterly wind is not that strong, four to six millibars through the gorge, that we're going to see plenty of decoupling going on, which like you said, means the wind goes away. And when you have dew points in the twenties and thirties, there's no reason it couldn't drop into the twenties in the outlying areas coming up. Not, not tonight, but I think over the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's the reason I brought it up. Somebody in the west end of the gorge asked, are we going to be dealing with any frost with this east wind? And my answer was probably, probably not because nope. you're probably going to stay above freezing. And if you live in a spot that's exposed to the wind, you're probably not going to drop below freezing. But if you're wind sheltered, that's probably going to be, you know, an area that deals with sub freezing temperatures and the first or second frost of the season. Uh, you know, I had one year out there in the west end of the gorge. I think it was around 90, 90, 98. That was it. We'd had a mild fall. I kept, I lived in an area where we get the east wind. I had no frost, even though most of the metro area had had frost. And then we had a cold Arctic air mass move in. So I had no frost. And then within like two days, I had a high of 22. So that, that was kind of severe. You know what I mean? So because it, yeah. it was an actual cold easterly wind that showed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that being said, even if you only drop to 38 you're also going to have the east wind it's going to feel cold it's yeah, just right. the thermometer is right. not going to be that cold so right it won't be a raging east wind but it's going to be you know noticeable and that'll dry us out beautiful you know I, don't you think it's possible that we have no cloud cover this weekend it Absolutely. is no fog yeah. and no high clouds that's yeah. possible mm -hmm. look at the nice. uh yeah it's gonna be great very crisp a lot of people like nora she always says oh i love those crisp days of fall when we're like you know in the 50s but it's chilly at night and this folks this is what's coming up this weekend so yeah. it's very clear you should enjoy the sunshine and crisp weather this weekend because next weekend the leaves will probably be wet sopping wet and it'll be humid and mild and cloudy totally different right. yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay first frost here we go this is uh, this is about the time of the year that we typically see a first frost in, in a good chunk of the metro area late october mid to late october Last year, we're looking at Hillsborough's dates, and you see a lot of years in Hillsborough, it's in October. Some years, it waits till November. 2016 was extremely mild. Didn't happen in Hillsborough until December 5th, but that's unusual. That might have been their latest there. But um, yeah, this is about right. So if we get a frost in Hillsborough this weekend, which we should, um, I think this is right on, right on time, right? Mm -hmm. But then I got, oh, here we go. We got Portland laid underneath. This makes more sense when we use this on TV, but uh, the Portland dates are correct here. And then it's the blue bar. So you see some years, like in 2021, Hillsborough had a frost in mid-October, October, but there was no frost at PDX officially until late December. Now, would yeah, you say that that's happens. more of an 
would you say that's more of an influence on the from the urban heat island effect or is that more of an influence from the east wind coming out of the gorge i think it's both or it could be either one and i suppose depends on the situation yeah mm. could be either one i mean it's always going to be a little bit later in the urban area let's say if neither location typically had that mixing east wind it would it would typically be later at pdx although yeah. some years look at 2018 it was within a day or two yeah. and same thing in 2020 right yeah it was pretty close pretty close last year as well early to mid-november both locations so you know, i've always wondered this mm-hmm. while we're on the subject this graphic you're showing first autumn frost each year is this based off of a temperature of 32 or is this based off of the first frost advisory that's issued no no it's the actual what actually occurred 32 okay. has to be 32 or lower you know even if uh, it's 33 or 34, by the way, Mark, I already know you know this. Camille, you probably know this as well. So anybody that's just kind of tuning in, uh, a weather station could be reading at like 34 or 35. But remember, right. weather stations are six feet off the ground. And with that colder air sinking down to the lowest spots, it could be closer to freezing right below that weather station. It right. could be frost on the ground. So that's a good point. Um, yeah. Frost you know, on the pumpkin. The pumpkin? Yeah. yeah frost on true. the pumpkin. I just had to add that in. I wanted to make it seasonal. All right. Nice. Sorry, I cut you off. (laughs) That's cool. So good. That's a good one. Um, Mark has a frost advisory up, a graphic that – so the National Weather Service has issued a frost advisory. starts at midnight, lasts until 9 o'clock in the morning. So they do this for the first frost. We won't see this Friday night into Saturday morning. This is just kind of like a heads up. Hey, if you have anything sensitive outdoors that you can bring inside, you'll want to do it. Or it's just kind of a marker. This is – pretty much the end of the right. growing season or the yeah. harvest so is this yeah. also Bye. asking for myself as a homeowner at the time of uh-uh. year where you want to disconnect your hoses uh what do you think i wouldn't like no? that oh that's me, a good question that's a great question because a lot of people it is would a say great question. frost advisory does this mean my everything's gonna die or i need to do i need to cover up my pipes once again no right okay i yeah i usually don't until it's like we're getting a forecast like for several hours in the twenties. Okay. What do you think, Mark? Oh yeah. I, I would, I would separate that by two things. One is the, the, the home plumbing, you know, even the ones that just stick out. I mean, 25, 22 is what you care about there. Okay. But like, if you're like me, I have that, you know, I talk about it all the time that that exposed water line that goes out to the chicken coop. It's above ground. And that one, if it gets below 20, 27, I need to have that, uh, need to have that covered. I'm, I'm sorry. I drain it. Actually, I drain it. So, um, yeah, but you don't need to worry about your house for sure or anything like that until we were like down around 20 or so. Okay. By the way, are the ladies ready for the cold nights, Mark? Are you well, prepping them? Uh, I think they are, although they're molting, which means they kind of look like they got run over by a lawnmower. One of them is. Oh. Uh, was that too? I didn't mean for that to be so graphic. I'm just saying when they molt, sometimes they lose a lot of their feathers at once and people come over and go, what's wrong with your chicken? And I'm like, oh, she's just getting fresh fresh feathers. And, you know, three weeks later, she looks great. Fresh, you oh, know, that's fresh clothing. So- so they molt yeah. right before the cold season to Typically, fluff yeah. up to get Fall. new fluffy feathers. Wait, right. did you say molt or mulch? Molt, mulch, M-O-U-L-T. Uh, I was like, oh wait, or is it M-O-L-T? I think is that it's British? Just M-O-M-O-L-T. I think you're right. British, it's maybe just the Brits M-O-L-T. would say. What's what's yeah. M-O-U-L-T? I don't. Think Since you're online, I can hear you clicking. That's good. Like that's not maybe the milkshake, like a malt, a malt. No, that's M-A-L-T. I'm kidding. What a discussion. I don't see, I don't see M O U L T. Actually, sometimes I do see the description for that and right. M O L T being the same, huh? Interesting. Didn't you pick up a duck recently too? 
You have a duck, right? Yeah, it's a long story. Yeah, we got we have two ducks. Uh, we have three ducks. One is she's pretty old. She's moving pretty slow. I, I think I think it might be her last winter. We'll see. Oh, but no. the two young duckies are are young and vigorous and full of energy. So we're good. Don't that's, that's poo-poo the, the the thought. Don't don't shove away that that. This is a great subject, Mark. Your ducks. Not everybody has ducks. We yeah. want to know about your ducks. All right. Yeah. They're Maybe doing fine. We got for next time. little Q's fine. Uh, big girls. She's the one that's kind of old. And then what is it? Little Q. Uh, what's his name? I don't remember what his name is. We've had so many. Wow. Talk about an ace parent there. You, you need to give uh, Camilla some of those duck I eggs. His name. Duck eggs for baking. So I really, really good. want good. some duck eggs. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Right. Um, and you know what I'm thinking? So we were since since we're kind of approaching our time limit here, I'm thinking uh, we had some rain stuff lined up. This is going to be a tease, I think, for next week, because since we're going to be going into a rainy pattern next week, you will be very surprised at how different the rain is across the metro area. Think we all get the same rain? Mm-mm, that's not the case. It's quite a bit different. Some of us are significantly drier than others in the metro. So that's my tease for next week. We're going to I think we should leave that for next week because we got to cover. We want to talk about Listen. Camilla. The graphic that Mark is describing is maybe my favorite graphic of all time. And so we will save it because it needs, it needs its time. It does. More than atmospheric rivers, Jeff. It was atmospheric rivers second. Well, they kind of go together. They do, but. Yeah. They're close. Pretty much a tie. Yeah. This is it. Here's a tease. It's right here. Big deal. Isn't that exciting? Those contours. (laughs) Oh. All right. Enough of that. Let's talk about our Iron Man or Iron Woman, Woman whatever the correct terminology is. <laughs> Iron um, person. Say Iron Man. So you Camilla, you did Man. not cool. you you got back last week. So it was mm-hmm. was it officially like just about two weeks ago that you ran? Yeah. Yeah, about two weeks ago. Cycled. It was on the fourteenth. Swam. All right. Uh how'd it go? <laughs> it was great. It was it was um I mean Kona is like the Iron Man. It's like where it's where Iron Man was founded. So it just has so much like legendary uh, weight to that race. And it's mm-hmm. uh, traditionally been where they have the Iron Man World Championships. It's always been there for years and years since its conception. Um, so you just hear the stories and the legends, and uh, it's obviously very hot in Kona, Hawaii, uh, humid. So that's kind of what makes that course difficult. It's not particularly like a hilly, difficult course, but it can get very hot and it can get very windy. Uh, Mark and I talked a lot about that. You can get these gnarly crosswinds as you're heading north uh, on on the Queen K Highway. So, um, but I was excited because I I wanted to prepare myself to to get there and just enjoy the day. I very much took like, we're just surviving this. We're going to smile the whole way and just have a good time. Which might not sound possible in in an, in a full Ironman, but it is. It is if you prepare and and truly take it chill. So, uh, I had a great day. I and I finished right at sunset. Oh my gosh! Mm, those pictures, guys, the video, it, the, the video. The sky yeah. was just insane. It was orange and pink and yellow, and I oh, it was so cool. It was so magical. Um. All right, let's talk stats. Like, what are you talking? When you say hot, how hot? Okay, so uh, I looked at all the uh, climate information for that day because now this is what this job has turned me into. That's what we like to hear. Nerd. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So high temperature, uh, middle of the afternoon was about 84, which is not terrible. It can be much, much worse. Uh, Mark is like, that's not hot. No, I've been there. But the dew point? The dew point was 70 degrees, middle of the afternoon. Yeah, so that's kind of right on the edge of like, uncomfortable uncomfortably yeah. humid 
Um, and then winds. No shade. No, no shade. shade. Don't forget super, that. Yeah, super exposed. Sometimes you get lucky and you get that cloud cover by the volcano. You know, kind yeah. of like seems to want to stay around the the higher elevations. And sometimes it'll nope. drift over. Didn't drift over that day. That's the so dry side of the of the island. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah. So uh, just very exposed. And again, it can be windy, but we got really lucky and it wasn't. I mean, some years you'll hear like the lighter athletes, they'll actually get blown over by some of those crosswinds on their bikes. So uh, none of that this year. So that was great. What was the order that you went in? Like what was first swimming? Yeah. Swim, bike, run is always the order in a, in a traditional triathlon. Um, We've had discussions on why that is, but I think it's because you have to put the swim first because it's the most dangerous. You don't want to put that at the end when athletes are fatigued because you don't want people to drown. And it's calmest Uh, in the morning, typically. Yeah, and it's calmest in the morning. And then I don't think you want to finish with the bike because I just imagine the finish line would be a a cluster because people are just moving too fast when you're on a bike. I could just feel like a run (laughs) makes sense crossing a finish line slower. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, the swim was in the, the Pacific ocean. It was incredible. The water's so clear. I mean, you're swimming over schools of fish. You can yeah. see coral. Sometimes athletes will report seeing turtles and dolphins. Yeah. I mean, it's just right. oh, amazing. Uh, so, you know, conditions were great for the swim. Uh, and then it's the bike. So, okay, let me backtrack. Swim is 2.4 miles. They make okay. you kind of just do a little rectangle. Uh, and then the bike is 112 miles, most of which is up on the Queen K Highway, heading up Ooh. to Javi and back. Yeah. Wow. And then the run is 26.2 <laughs> miles, and a lot of that is also on the Queen K Highway. So it's just hot. It's just You're just hot and, you, and exposed and lonely mostly. You're starting that run during the hottest part of the day. Probably started yeah. running around 2 or 3. Two oh, two and your legs yeah. are like jelly, I would assume, at that I mean, you did a lot of training, but – yeah. I watched and I could just, I, you can just tell it's like, you know, Oh, it looks. Yeah. You start to see some mm. really, I mean, let's be honest, some bad running form out there on an Ironman <laughs> marathon course, because you're just, yeah, your body's just done your legs. It's hard to just pick your legs up like normal. Yeah. So yeah. But tell us um, about the yellow pools of water on the changing in the changing oh, area. Yeah, Mark that. read through my, um, uh, portions of my race report, I can which were amazing. I really, I just read the last one last night, by the way. And I loved it. I felt I, I, it made me feel like I was there. Seriously. It was like, good. maybe because I'd been there before, but not as an athlete. It's like, oh, okay, I understand. Okay. Yeah. So it was yeah, good that's what I try to do. So, so, uh, the transition area has a changing tent. This, by the way, this year it was women only event. They separated the men's and the women's championships just to, I think to make, uh, travel easier and, and just so the community of Kona isn't so overwhelmed. Um, yeah. but they have a changing tent in there that you basically have to run through with your little baggie, with your, your gear for the next part of the race. Um, and they have all these plastic white chairs lined up so athletes can sit down and put their shoes on or whatever. Um, but you'll notice a lot of those chairs have puddle yellow puddles in them because, <laughs> because, because oh, every minute gosh. counts. Every minute counts, and some athletes choose to not use the porta potties in there. They just sit, and while they're putting on their shoes, they're peeing. No so time for that, huh? Avoid mm-hmm. the yellow puddle chairs, everybody. Yeah. Disgusting or dedication? <laughs> I don't know which D word to describe this. I know. Oh, crazy. Well, Jeff, some people will, I mean, and I've never been able to do this. I've tried. Some people will just pee while they're biking. I mean, because they don't want to uh, stop. So it's just like, you got to stay out of the splash zone. I mean, oh, that's going to take it, that takes you maybe a minute at most. Well, it's worth that minute. pulling, pulling over on the bike and get it. That's a whole ordeal. But if you're in transition and there's a porta potty six feet yeah. away from you, right. just 
go in there. Like, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I was, I again, I was taking a more lax approach to the day, so I didn't care. I was going to take the extra few minutes to, to do what I needed to do. So, so well, pretty do you cool. Think, I, do you I feel, I mean, we, if you follow Camilla on Strava, you see that she's like suffering and running through the West Hills and over the coast. Like, do you, do you think that your training, like, do you feel like it was sufficient or do you think that you could have done other things to improve your, you know, prep? <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. don't you do no. better? No, that's a great question, Jeff. And I, I, I analyze this every single time I do one of these races because you do, you get addicted to it. You want to get better at it each time. So you're like, what can I change? Um, and I think I did a better job this time around of doing specifically really long, hard rides, uh, immediately into a long kind of steady paced long run. So doing those every single weekend, I feel like really prepped my legs sufficiently. And I think the sauna training really helped. Like I was mm. shocked at how good I actually felt in that heat. Nice. Cause I, I normally do horribly in the heat. So I, I do think the that humidity. Helped. Well, actually, yeah. you're from kind of a humid environment. You were born and raised. Yeah, but right. I've never been. I don't know. My body is just. I'm. I'm. I'm dense. So my body just doesn't do a good job in in the humidity. Dense. <laughs> yeah. Listen, dense. I think it's an accomplishment to finish. Um, what did you for for those that are curious? What did you finish? Like, how many people participated? What was your ranking? Um, oh yeah. And um, so there were right around two thousand women competing, which is amazing. Uh, by the way, Ironman said this was the first time in Ironman World Championships history, men or women, that every single swimmer that got in the water finished before the time. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. That's a really big deal. Um, and a bunch of the pro athletes broke a bunch of records. It was just a really, really good year at Kona. Um, so around 2,000 women in my age group, which is 30 to 34, there were around 240 of us. Um, and they start you within your age group you're competing basically against your age group. Um, and I was 60 oh, shoot. Now I can't say something like that. 60th, 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 yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Wow. wow. That is yeah. good. Uh, Amazing. does that qualify you for another race coming up or do you have to nope. qualify in another way? Yeah. For the next You'd have to requalify if you want to go back to the, to the world championship. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Every year. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, Get get to biking again. Get up. Yeah, get up over I, that know, coast range. Get to work in the sauna. I think I'm going to be taking a break from full Ironman next year. I say this now. I say this now. We'll see what happens. But I really think I need a, a year off. It's Isn't it lot. like in France next year? It is, but I've already been to Nice. I did the half Ironman World Championships there a few years ago. It's incredible. Oh. But I'm like, I've already been there, so. Eh. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. we appreciate your recap and congratulations. <laughs> uh, what a, mm -hmm. what an accomplishment. Um, but thank you. You know what? I think we are starting to run out of time here because, yeah. well, oh, yeah, I gotta go do a show. The... Oh, oh Camilla's doing Me. the four. Who's doing yeah, the four? She... Oh, yeah. Um, we got to get going, Jeffy. We can't just okay. laze right. around at home like you can. <laughs> oh, come on. I'll be up at one fifteen in the morning. You two. All right. All right. Uh, Thanks for joining us for episode 75 of the Fox 12 weather podcast. We're going to be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking about probably incoming rain at that point. So enjoy this press. You're waiting and hesitating and tell us.